This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. It's Eric Martin. Hi. Thank you so much for being here, Eric. Thank you for having me. Now, normally I start out by listing all of people's nouns, like uh, what they do professionally and what their identity is, but you do so many different things. I thought instead of myself researching it and possibly getting it wrong, I would just start out by asking you, like, what all do you do? Sure. Uh, I, I identify as a voice actor. <laughs> so <laughs> That I, is your primary noun. That's right. Uh, I am a, um, uh, an audiobook narrator, um, a director and producer, um, and I'm also a, uh, a casting director. Um, I have a, um, a day job uh, at Universal Studios Hollywood, um, but I am also um, a prolific narrator of audiobooks and other um, voice type things. I like talking into microphones. <laughs> this here, right now, what's happening is very yeah. on brand for me. It feels very comfortable for you. Yeah. Does it feel weird that you're not in a booth? Does it feel wrong that I am not actually eggshells that you're looking at? I feel like this is a very big booth. <laughs> My apartment is a pretty big booth. Not that big, really, honestly. Uh, so that's really cool. I knew that you did a lot of the audiobooks. Uh, you have the Stinker Let's Loose project, right? Mm-hmm. What Now, what is all that about? So uh, that came when, uh, so uh, Mike Sachs, who's a, a brilliant uh, comedy writer, um, has written uh, great uh, books like um, uh, um, uh, Poking a Dead Frog and stuff about <laughs> comedy, um, and wonderful interviews. He, um, he wrote, and he writes for Vanity Fair. He uh, created something um, very near and dear to his heart. It was a passion project where... Uh, the idea is he discovered a 1970s CB Trucker movie novelization <laughs> and published it, warts and all. Uh, and so I, d- I found this, loved it, and, um, and um, wanted to help him convert it into an audio book or really an audio movie. So we pitched it to Audible, and um, they um, helped us create this um, all-star cast, um, basically the the best cast for the worst you know movie. Yeah. So um, uh, John Hamm was our titular hero, the stinker. <laughs> um, Ray Seahorn from Better Call Saul uh, played opposite Paul F. Tompkins, the great Philip Baker Hall, uh, Andy Richter, just this insane cast of of people saying the the most amazing actors saying the stupidest things possible and nice. having, having a blast. So the original writer, what was his name again? Uh, Mike Sachs. So Mike Sachs. So he did he write the full novelization? Uh, well, um, the lore will tell you that uh, the uh, the departed James Taylor Johnston did, who's also a writer <laughs> of uh, Dirty Fortune Cookie Sayings. But um, uh, legend is that um, uh, he he discovered this this text. He discovered this forgotten tome of the seventies. Excellent, right. excellent. Right. You converted it into an awesome audio piece. So when you're doing uh books when you're doing audiobooks yeah do you see that is different than voice acting it's a, well no i think i think it's all acting cuz even in nonfiction where it could be the driest you yeah. know material possible you still have to be excited about it right you know you you're still performing this text you know you you may not be excited about this but um, you have to find that excitement, and you have to relay it to people who will be listening, who will presumably be excited about it. Yeah. So that is a performance, I think. Awesome. Um, and then, you know, obviously with fiction stuff, you're playing all the parts. I mean, you know, growing up as a kid, I mean, it was my dream to play all the roles. Yeah. So to be able to do this is, <laughs> yeah. is pretty cool. You get to do a one-person show in a booth. That's right. Yeah. So as a professional audiobook narrator, where do you stand on the level of vocal impressions that narrators should do for different characters do you think it should just be inflection 
Or do you think you should get to like a Cockney character and just go for it? Yeah. Uh, I honestly, for me, it depends. It depends on the book and it depends on the project, what it calls for, what the what the genre is, how you know, how how I feel about it. Um, I've heard things across the range and um, I tend to mostly suggest or, or get part of the way there. I, I you know, try not to. Um, blow it out in terms of you know here's my you know loud insane character because <laughs> yeah. you're you're almost like talking to one person and it's almost like you're you're right next to them right it's an yeah. intimate experience so it'd be like doing your full wild Cockney accent to somebody in an elevator and be like you're not on stage let's <laughs> dial it back <laughs> yeah. look I don't want to I don't want to uh, uh, turn anybody off here so I'm not, <laughs> not in the business of uh, Getting people upset. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's delightful for me to think about. Anyway, uh, speaking of delightful, let's get into your obsession. Uh, this is a great topic. I'm so excited about it. And I was really excited that you brought it up because uh, from our interactions, uh, you seem like a calm and thoughtful man. You have dulcet tones, which is why you're an audiobook narrator. And when I asked you what you wanted to talk about, you're like, Vegas, which was a fun contrast to uh, my assumptions about you. So uh, tell me about your obsession with Vegas. Great. Well, it may disappoint you to learn that I think of Vegas as a very calming place to go. <laughs> it doesn't. That's great. <laughs> Is that because it's just so tradition? Like you are you feel at home there because you've been there a lot? Uh, well, it has over time. Um, but, e- you know, even I, I find places of, uh, like, I mean, there's the insanity of the Strip. Yeah. Um, and, you know, y- y- and... It- as it was pitched to me as a kid, oh, this is a place where you go to to drink and barf and feel bad. <laughs> Come on, kids. It's the barfing city. <laughs> exactly. But it, it turns out you can have a, a great, uh, pretty chill time. Even within the Strip, you know, they have all these nice restaurants and they'll, they'll tailor to you the, the, the spa experience. And, like, yeah. you can go and chill and have a good time um, and still go out and party. But you, you, know, you can keep it within reason if you, if you so choose. Yeah. Yeah. So you were told these uh, illusions about Las Vegas, that it was Barf City, uh, that it was nothing but party, party, party. When did you first go and when did you first get hooked on Las Vegas? Yeah. Well, I didn't go until I was um, 21. Oh, wow. So I was there ready to go and it was perfect time. Um, I hadn't thought too much about it. Um, It actually kind of dovetails with another obsession that I had, which was Disneyland and the idea of themed uh, space. So at the time, I was really interested in Disneyland and and all of, you know, just the architecture and all of this stuff. Okay. Um, But then it was like, well, here's another place, but it's for grownups. And I think at the time, because when I was 21 in 2001, so they were just coming out of the, the... the Vegas as Disneyland sort of thing. This was the fun, family-friendly place. And they were just beginning to shed that and get into the what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas thing. Okay. But there was a bit of that fantasy architecture there. So that was sort of my entree into this. Oh, what this is like a huge version of, of Disneyland kind okay. of thing. So that was my in. Okay. And then what did you do on that first trip? Did you try? You were 21. Yeah. So you could drink, 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 party, party, party. Yeah. Did you? I, I did not excessively, but I definitely had like a few drinks. And yeah. then, but what I was really excited about, because I was a poker player, so I loved that ah. you could have video poker there at the uh, at all the bars, and then they would give you free drinks. And I was like, "This is amazing! Like, how? Do, why? Why can't this be everywhere?" Yeah, <laughs> the video poker in particular. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you know, I could just maybe I'll even win, you know, some some money for a drink. But I, I kept it fairly low stakes, but just knowing that I could get, you know, drinks and then go out and see the the 
get a cigar and all this stuff. So I was like, this place is pretty cool. Okay. But it was with it was with my my brother and my uh, and my parents. So I would meet up with them for dinner. Then we'd go out and have fun. And okay, it so it was a family trip. It wasn't like I'm going out to get crazy. Who knows where I'm going to end up? Exactly. Like, I will be back at the it's, hotel with my family. That's right. I still had to be. I still had to see them at breakfast in the morning. So I had to keep it. I had to keep it together. Yeah. So were you a regular uh, attendee of Disneyland? Had before you were twenty one? Had you already like really immersed yourself in Disneyland? Yeah, I had actually at that time. I was working at. Uh, I was working as Merlin. Uh, so at a place called Club Disney, and I was do- basically doing children's birthday parties. Okay. But I was studying, so I wound up doing my senior thesis on Disneyland and specifically the Tiki Room. Yeah. So I was fascinated. I was like, you know, in terms of performance, well, it's not just the birds that sing words, but the flowers also croon. And in fact, you know, the whole building comes to life and sings a song. So I was like, that's fascinating. This They're throwing everything, kitchen sink of this. But um, And then I moved over to Imagineering shortly after that. But I was very much into... Um, um, the sort of Disney ethos and sort of the themed space and basically storytelling through um, through architecture and through place. Okay. So is that storytelling, do you think, both in Disneyland and in Vegas, is that storytelling, uh, is the power of it to make you forget about the outside world? Is that the goal ultimately? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's a, a, a thing. Well, it's both. It's so... It's to make you forget about the outside world, but it's also a celebration of sort of life in a way. Yeah. Um, and it's been it's been described um, to me as sort of survival stories. So it's almost like uh, it takes the role of the shaman, right? Oh, okay. So who basically tells you, and think about every, you know, attraction, like every, you know, ride you've been on. You're in grave, terrible danger, you know, especially the, the Disney ones. They start you in a place of horrible danger. Yeah. And then you barely make it. <laughs> and then you're okay. Don't you feel great? It's time to have another hot dog. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yes. Sire the next generation. <laughs> okay, that I like that a lot. Uh, I'm fat, I've only been to Disneyland uh, once. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last couple of years. Uh, and I was amazed at its power to make you just be there and pretty much nowhere else. And obviously the same thing with Vegas. Vegas, in a way, is a little easier because it is, you know, a, a city. Like, you are surrounded. Totally. Uh, where and I suppose Disney is too, but but uh, that is all fascinating to me. How do you feel uh, being someone who can see uh, and intellectually communicate the positives? Where you're saying like going to Vegas is like a experience of being taught the wisdom of a shaman. How do you feel about it when people see it as just a crass machine to suck money out of people? Yeah, I mean it's it's that too. <laughs> no argument just a here. Bit of both, okay. <laughs> yeah. Just it just it's a tool. You can use it how you want to use it. Okay, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> the new motto of Las Vegas. Cool. So uh, you you started out in this journey where you had already kind of been interested in Vegas as this this shamanistic place of storytelling that it also can suck money out of human souls. Um, how do you enjoy it now? How do you how do you experience it as you keep going back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I try to go back um, a few times a year, and I've done a few projects there as well. 
Um, and I did a, a scripted uh, show about the history of uh, Vegas. Oh, wow. Um, so it was called, um, I, I can tell right now, it was called Hoot Gibson Vegas Cowboy. Uh, <laughs> and it had uh, Andy Daly as uh, the titular hero, Hoot Gibson. Um, and it was, uh, we sort of used the Rat Pack as the frame tale. Yeah. Um, and so I was very, um, very interested in um, sort of the history of Vegas and how it sort of mirrored the history of America. So the more I went the more I became interested in how this town came to be, how it sprang to life. Um, so, but what I do now to, an- to answer your question is I'll, um, I'll go and um, I'll go to like a museum. They have very interesting museums there. Like the, they have the Atomic Museum. They have the Mob Museum, which is actually my favorite museum. It's in the old converted um, federal courthouse. Is there an animatronic Al Capone? Not yet. Okay. But they are building an actual speakeasy, fully oh. 1920s. You have to like, you know, go use the password to get in and they have a full distillery on premises. Okay. It's opening next month. So I'm like super excited about that. Uh, but there's like the museum experience. There's also uh, the pinball museum. Pinball's another obsession of mine. Okay. <laughs> Many pinball machines are there. So I'll play some of that during the day, uh, play some silver ball, and then um, go out. But truly, it's food. It's a culinary okay. thing. It's food and drink. They have the most amazing restaurants and bars there. So, you know, for me, it's just like, um, you know, a Pokemon-esque experience where I'll, I'll have to catch them, them all. <laughs> you have to eat them all. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So... You've seen it a lot as a student of what it is, uh, you know, psychologically and historically to write the the Hoot Gibson. Was that the name of the mm-hmm. character? The Hoot yeah. Gibson show, which Hoot is Opson. Awesome. <laughs> so now you can just go there and feel like you're experiencing it as it's meant to be experienced. Totally. Like now I have the full context. I think for years when I would go, it was because if you do go and stay on the strip and you just sort of go from one disconnected experience to another and they're just sort of throwing things at you. Yeah. It can be very disorienting. You're like, I don't know, more drinking, (laughs) I don't know. Um, But um, there really is a coherent hole underneath. There's obviously, you know, a a system that sucks money out of you, but there is a a living town and there's, you know, I think three quarters of a million people that live there now. And it's it's an actual city with with history. I read something really interesting last just this last week that I hadn't um, really considered in that the origination of of you know Las Vegas was they were t- sort of telling you they were sort of telling you stories of the American West yeah the first theme casinos were based on the old West thing so um, they were um, very early on in sort of selling you the mythos of the old West yeah um, so it was uh, would you argue that it was based on nostalgia right away like already trying to get people to pine for something this sort of romanticized past that may or may not have actually existed from yeah. the beginning yeah absolutely and they used that as a tool to um have people gamble yeah. so that was that was essentially the the story that they told to ah, sell the gambling like hey all of the people who created america out here in the west what a bunch of crazy risky gamblers do that's, you want to be like them that's right be <laughs> part of the romantic frontier tradition that's truly the case and here is a cup full of quarters be like a <laughs> cowboy right. uh <laughs> I'm really fascinated with Vegas because I am a, a big fan of Sinatra and the Rat Pack and and all of the, the good and bad that they did, especially in Vegas and with you know what they communicated with their shows and all of those ideas and all of their music. Uh, and I have that romantic past that may or may not have existed where I think Vegas used to be a little classier, used to be much more for uh, martinis than Miller Lite. Uh, but what is the truth? Was it ever truly classy? 
I think it was possible to have a classy-esque experience. <laughs> for, for a price. <laughs> that, that is a great brochure. It is possible to have a classy-esque experience. You could pay your way into that. You know, and I think money, okay. money truly is king there. But if you've got, yeah. the, you got the cash, you can... You can, you can make it happen. I think. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I think I had that illusion shattered when I finally got a Rat Pack disc that I believe had like an old advertisement for a contemporary advertisement for the show. Mm-hmm. And it was like, see the biggest stars doing things that you will not hear them say on their own albums or on Johnny Carson. And they're all together. This is the most insane thing that happened. Be in the room with the stars. Also, here's how cheap your steak is going to be. Right. Like, ah, ah, okay. It wasn't just classy. It was sort of like, let's watch Matt Damon and Bruce Willis dick around. And also, your tacos will only be $2. Unlimited $2 tacos and the biggest stars in the world. Like, now it makes a little bit sense to me that it was not always classy. That's right. The, the shrimp, uh, the cocktails were of the shrimp variety. <laughs> Always shrimp cocktail. No, it sounds like you seek out, if not a classy experience, you seek out, uh, I guess I don't know the word for it, but when you're talking, like, you find good meals, you find museums that are sound like they're actually really looking for history, not just anthropomorphic Al Capone. Uh, what, how do you describe that experience to people? What do you, what do you think of that as? Uh like, uh, wh- how would you describe what I what I do or how I experience that city? Um, yeah, well, I guess I'm kind of I'm I'm myself am wrestling with value words because I could say like, oh, you're having a high class experience, you're having the Fraser experience where, to use a Cheers metaphor, like you're the Fraser experience where many people are sold Las Vegas on the Sam Malone experience. Yeah, of the hey, let's drink, let's get crazy versus. Let's have some very nice food and check out a very good museum. Yeah, like how do you describe that? I I, I almost choose your own adventure kind okay. of thing. So I think that they've they've laid out all of the pieces for you, and they sort of strongly shunt you into a go ahead and barf and you know destroy yourself. Yeah, um, there's that that's available, um, but they have all these other ones. So I, I truly think of it as I go in and I, what's the stuff that I'm really interested in? Yeah. And I think that's why I'm so obsessed with it. It can, I can do my own, you know, thing there or the things that I'm interested in, but they have so many things just available for anyone. That's what the city is there okay. for. Okay. In terms of gambling, mm-hmm. you, you said you are a big fan of poker. Yeah. So do you ever go to like actual tables and have a more uh, James Bond experience of like I'm actually playing high stakes with a, a human <laughs> instead of a computer? <laughs> not not really. Not not um, I've, I've done it a few times. But um, I think the idea there with poker is that, you know, people can just keep throwing money down and then yeah. you're, it doesn't seem like a lot of fun unless you truly know what you're doing and you've got the, the money to to burn. Um that's not me. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm there to I'm there to have a good time and drink cocktails and, and play some games. Um, but I don't I don't gamble a ton. And for me, it, that's more of a that's sort of I'm glad that it's there as an engine that makes everything else happen. Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, when you walk through like the main floors, though, that are just kind of endless slot machines. Mm-hmm. How did do you feel? Uh, in my few times going to Vegas, I have such a push and pull about how I feel when I see the big just sea. Of slot machines and some of them will have like to me where like 
funny, ironic pop culture branding, like mm-hmm. The Walking Dead. Like, yes, that's a fascinating thing. That's actually one of my favorite things to do. Oh, what's hot these days? Yeah, what's hot these days? Uh, I have a, a friend who really wanted to beat the Lord of the Rings slot machine, and it, it did not go well. The Eye of Sauron was on him the entire time. Uh, so there's like some stuff to enjoy, but there is also like um, uh, just a sadness when there is just a sea of it, and it looks like people having a hard time just throwing money in there and pulling and pulling and pulling is a student of the city. How do you feel about that when you see somebody like that's maybe having a hard time just throwing money at this? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. And you know, that's the, uh, it, it's not easy to see. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I think folks and they have those brochures at every you know place. Yeah. When it stops becoming uh, or when when the when the fun stops and yeah, so like it, it, that's tough. You know, so you, you hope that you know people can can control it, but you know, like anything, some people can't. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's tricky, and you hope that I don't know. Just that that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like it's an unfair view of the city that that is what a lot of people see? Like if you just have a quick trip to Vegas yeah, and just kind of pop your head into the first level of most casinos, that's what you're mostly going to see is the slot machines, right? Totally. That's the surface thing. Like <clears throat> if you're going to go there overnight and it's like you have a couple things to do, like, yeah. and if you've never seen that before, you've got to see that. Yeah. Like that's the, that's sort of the core experience. Everything else is sort of built out and out from and around that. Um, but that that sort of gambling thing has sort of taken. I mean, now there's like Indian casinos, and now other individual states have it. So that yeah. that's sort of like Vegas is sort of spreading outward and sort of um, the the nation. So it, it's becoming less specific to Vegas, and I think more and more people have that you know within driving distance of where they go. So right. What's interesting about Vegas is all the stuff that they do above and beyond that that core thing, where nowhere else, nowhere else in the world will will do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And is that some of the museums, some of the food, some of the stuff you're describing that exactly. you can't get anywhere else? And and the, I mean, walking down the strip and seeing all of the very you know bizarre buildings that are, you know, the exotic theme thing that yeah. does make you just feel like where. Am I? What is this strange hodgepodge of reality? We're uh, now. Have you? I imagine you've been yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have not spent a ton of time. I, you know, I've been there a couple times to do uh, conventions, to do shows at like oh, yeah. genre conventions, and then kind of poke around. I've never been there just to truly be like, all right, I am gonna get past that entry level and really see the depth and the full experience of Vegas. Mm-hmm. So I would, this is very helpful to help me to be thinking about like, okay, how can I get to that next level? And I think I had so much dumped into my own brain by myself from being a fan of the Sinatra Rat Pack era. And I always knew it wasn't real, but still having that uh, in my mind when I went there and seeing it much more as like, oh, wow, it's so family friendly mm-hmm. now. And it, it probably always was, but that colors my experience of it. Yeah, there's sort of that classic um, thing. And you can still find that here and there. Like, there is still... I mean, that's, that's a town that doesn't have a ton of history, but where they do have it, it's it's really interesting. And they're, they're starting to celebrate it more and more. One of my favorite places is... Uh, it's called Atomic Liquors. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it's just north of Fremont Street, so it's downtown. And um, they call it that because it's been there since the 40s. And <laughs> they literally used to watch the atomic tests oh, 75 miles away because they'd be scheduled, three, go off at 3 in the morning. They'd all sit on the roof and just watch the, the blast go off. Just get a big bottle of vodka and watch 
yeah. reality be torn asunder <laughs> by atomic testing. That was a fun thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I would do it. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not smart or wise. I'm sure it's safe. That's what Vegas is for, right? You're <laughs> far enough away. It's just a little explosion. No big deal. Uh, speaking of that kind of thing, have you ever learned a life lesson in Vegas that you have taken out of Vegas? <laughs> I guess that a life lesson that has not stayed in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, don't spend a lot of money gambling because you'll probably <laughs> lose. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's a good lesson to take elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, but in your deeper like uh, study of the city, like so, you have a job at a theme park, which obviously ties to all of your interests that led you to Vegas. Yeah. Is there stuff about the way Vegas is constructed, either pros or cons of it, that you take into your job at Universal? Where you're like, I know what Vegas did well, and I know oh, absolutely. how I can implement that. Yeah, yeah. No, in terms of like benchmarking, you know, I'll go, I'll see shows. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of sort of similarities, you know, in terms of these high-end shows for a lot of people. Yeah. So um, that's super valuable. But even just the way that people are, because that's another high-volume place where you, and that's what's so fascinating about it is that you have just, you know, so many people being shunted through there, through all the restaurants, through the hotels. Um, they're just dealing with a lot of people in really smart ways and the way they're guiding them. In this case, it's to get them lost and to spend more time and more money. Um, <laughs> yeah. But how is that really any so different from any other retail experience? Or, right. You know, so, but it's how do you do that in an entertaining and fun way? Because, you know, these people are, you know, generally are having a really good time. They wouldn't be there otherwise. Right. You want to be happy to be lost, right? Yeah. So. And there's, Go ahead. Oh, and there's things, too, in terms of, like, you know, an, an international audience now, because Lunar New Year is, you know, something that we just went through. Vegas does that huge, you know, theme parks are doing that as well. So that's sort of a cross-cultural thing that's, um, you know, coming more and more into play. And I, I think they really pioneered that over the last few years, and you're starting to see it come more and more. So those kinds of things, like how do you do these, these one-off events and, you know... Um, time to holidays or, or what have you but um it's interesting yeah yeah well and it, it's also uh it's interesting to see them in their pursuit of more money because obviously that's the whole point is to come here and for people to spend money but to be broadening people's horizons about different cultures right totally so if they're doing an event because they think that'll bring in money then they have this fun side effect of people like well, well lunar what now I guess I'll learn about it because exactly. I happen to be in Vegas this weekend. Yeah. That's a dragon made out of flowers. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm going to play the dragon slot machine now. Why not? That's great. Um, you've talked a lot about the good food, but what is the truth of the stereotype of the like crappy Las Vegas buffet? Is that still there? Is that a real thing? Uh, yeah, it's definitely still there. Um, I find it difficult to make the conscious choice to pursue it when there's so many other options. <laughs> Fair enough. But Fair yeah, enough. it's there. Uh, have you indulged? Um, no. No, the, the, the closest I do is I'll, I'll go to the uh, the El Cortez, which has a lot of history. And I actually want to tie this back to the classy side oh, of that. Because yeah. that was a hotel built in 1941. It's still there. It was Bugsy Siegel's first uh, hotel before nice. the Flamingo. Um, and it's um, it's got kind of that. Uh, they still have the original hotel rooms above the um, the uh, um, the casino. So okay. you almost like go down this staircase, and then all of a sudden there you are. And I was like, oh wow, this is like a really elegant experience. Like the rooms are very t- 
tiny, but I was like, well, people were smaller back then. And then they would just come <laughs> down and they'd be wearing their tuxedos. And then I subsequently read of like, oh, no, the, that was the brothel upstairs. I was like, oh, okay. okay, well, I guess not so classy. <laughs> but anyway, the point was they still have a 1095 prime rib that you can get there at any time. Oh, really? But it was actually pretty good. So okay. I don't know. All right. How long could a human subsist on just the cheap or free Las Vegas buffets? Like, could a human make it a month or would you die? Well, I think that's the um, that's the super size me question. Like, I think you could you could sustain yourself, but yeah. there were, I think there would be profound damage, <laughs> profound consequences. That would be a great name for a casino. If I opened a casino, <laughs> and make people feel all brave for like, yeah, I won at profound consequences. Uh, so there's of course been the Ocean's Eleven movies. Uh, there's the upcoming Ocean's Eight movie. So I wanted to ask you as an expert, what is the exact right amount of people? to rob Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's a minimum, right? (laughs) Like, eight's getting kind of cocky, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess with technology and certain advances, you can continue to whittle it down over time. But I think with our current best available resources, you can't go any less than Ocean's 8. Okay. Okay. How do you feel about all of those movies about... You know, I think this is what it, what Las Vegas, uh, that that conflict of what it is to me. Mm-hmm. It's not just the classy. It's that it's the uh, it's dangerous. It's edgy. It's a place to prove yourself in a lot of the media about it. You know, Disneyland is a happy place to go and dream with your family and, you know, connect and all that stuff. And so much of what Vegas has put out or, or has had put out about itself is edgy danger you know can you make it at the table can you rob the casino can you get away so uh, how do you feel about those movies do you think they are are good for vegas or do you think they're spreading misinformation yeah well it's interesting the 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 newer oceans 11 through 13 11 and 13 both set in vegas you know great stories happy and super fun movies i loved them yeah uh, and then when I was doing research, because I actually didn't know the Rat Pack very much, but we used the Rat Pack as our sort of frame tale. Yeah. They were actually filming. Uh, our whole series took place. Like, Hoot Gibson, his last movie was on the set of the original Ocean's Eleven. Okay. <laughs> so we had him regale the Rat Pack, right, backstage. Yeah. And that was the whole idea. But that movie, I, I didn't see it until I was doing research for it, but it it's a bummer. Yeah. Like, spoiler alert, it ends on a bad note. <laughs> they don't do well. No. Uh, which I found fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, so I think that's actually probably the better ex- better advertisement for the, the the truth of the city. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fascinating to me because uh, I, I one of the interesting things about Sinatra and Dean Martin, but Sinatra in particular, is that he managed to be one of the most successful and famous people in the world while still playing the underdog card. And obviously, anytime you're an underdog, people like you more. But, you know, he had his early success where he was a a clean, nice boy, and then everything came out about, oh, he's having an affair with Ava Gardner. He punched out a journalist, and, like, then people at the time didn't want a bad boy. So then he kind of played. They're like, yeah, I am a little bit of a bad boy, but it's it's because I'm so brokenhearted, and things don't always work out for me. So then to have that carry through to, like, this is how we portray Vegas is, and, and by extension, one could argue, America of that sort of, like, it's great to be to take all these swing and risks, but then you know you, you lose a little bit, and uh, it's a it's a hard life out there for us Americans. Yeah, I think ultimately we're scrappy underdogs. Scrappy underdogs, yeah, that's fascinating. That when you start to dig into our myths about ourselves, that we can never let go of that strange sort of exceptionalism. Yeah, where we both compliment ourselves for succeeding, but then also have an inbuilt, ah, well, I'm just a scrappy underdog anyway, <laughs> so it's okay that I. 
vomited this <laughs> cheap buffet. I'm a scrappy underdog. That's right. <laughs> uh, along those lines, I was going to ask you, uh, and you've already touched on a little bit, about the idea that Vegas is sort of a mirror of America. If that's true, what, what does that say about America, ultimately? Yeah, I mean, well, boy... America's a uh, real interesting place, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I think it um, sort of it, the the Las Vegasization of, uh, of America and the Americanization <laughs> of Las Vegas. You are a narrator. Together. Most people could not just say that easily. <laughs> That's right. I am a professional. So the, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, everything that happens there really happens everywhere. It's just pumped up to such an intense level. Sort yeah. of the yeah, capitalism, um, you know, the celebration of, of food and drink and, and culture and um, it, it sort of like the way it just sort of vomits our stories back at us. And yeah. Sort of, but, you know, in like a splash of like, here's a castle. This is the Aladdin. <laughs> like, or is it Excalibur? Yeah. Merlin. <laughs> and, or whatever, you know, or like the Bellagio. Here, Kids you know. like Merlin, right? Take it. <laughs> That's right. Like the Bellagio is like fancy times. You know, it's, it's very How simple. How high can water go? This high. <laughs> and then you duck behind the curtain and, you know, it's just service corridors and it looks yeah. like. But it's, it's sort of that facade. Um, but, uh, but in terms of like just the, the way, the way the, the city sort of mirrors everything else, but also is a, is a crazy funhouse mirror and the way that those mirrors and the angles sort of create this refraction of, uh, my metaphor is falling apart, but it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's a crazy time, but it, yeah. it really reflects, um, who we are as a culture to yeah. a, an absurd degree. Do you think that it feels like a, um... A melting pot because of all of these different ideas kind of just crammed together in this one space. I mean, literal ideas with, hey, this building's the pyramid and this one looks like <laughs> New York. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's that, you know, which Disneyland has a, a bit of that, but it's it has the sort of harmoniousness of design in that, you know, everything is, is planned out and it's in discrete zones. And right. they really mm-hmm. think through all of those um, uh, uh, transitions. Here, that's not so much the case. They can do it within their worlds, but everything, you know, in total is just um, is is just crazy. So there's the architecture and sort of the stories, but then there's also the melting pot of all the different cultures that come together in the food and yeah. the people. Like, it truly is a world city in a lot of ways because even in, on the entertainment side, you know, those there are performers that are there from all around the world, all the Cirque shows and, you know, they're yeah. gymnasts from Eastern Europe and clowns from Canada or wh- whatever, but it's, you know, it's all coming together in a, to be a truly world city like you know, any other world yeah. city would be. And it, I think it's fascinating that the residencies still happen, you know, and that, that to me is powerful because it means that so many different people are flowing through and that, you know, uh, a Celine Dion or whoever, if you get to whatever level of entertainment, you can just be like, I'm going to sit in Las Vegas forever and I'm going to do the exact same damn show night after night and there will always be a new audience. Like, that's a thing that's always been romantic to me is like, oh. Oh, that sounds so nice. Write one show and then do it for like 30 years? Yeah, the people will come to you. <laughs> people will come to you from all walks of life. That's truly the dream. Yeah, it is. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Speaking of dreams, if you could build your own hotel and casino inspired by you and your personality, your life, what would it be? What would its shtick be? What would its hook be? Mm. I don't know that I have one um, one individual hook or one sort of overarching thing except for maybe 
performance or entertainment. It might even go deeper than that. It might it might be my love for for books. So you oh, know, nice. It might, I don't know how popular this would be, <laughs> but I know I'd love it more than anything. But to have a sort of like you know from literature and and, and stories and sort of a book thing. I mean, imagine like a like a library themed bar and then like yeah, a, like that oh, would be great. Yeah, I'd love it. What would the actual building look like on the outside? Like if you're going like all in, like it's got to look crazy. Would it be a giant book? Would it be a tree that's being cut down? Would it be a giant Kindle so people can listen to you narrate? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, that's, I mean, would it look like a like a grand library in the old style? Oh, yeah. It could, it could. Oh, I would so go there. That's amazing. Yeah. And now, uh, if it had a big theater inside, mm-hmm. would you want to do readings? Would you want to do, like, narrations of, you know, maybe a short book so you're not on stage for hours and hours? And a nice narration with maybe some backup dancers. Yeah, I think we'd have some audio theater for the early shows, uh-huh. but we'd see if we can get Celine Dion for um, for a residency, of course. Just to do a reading. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd, want, I'd want to hear her French-Canadian takes on uh, <laughs> treasured stories from her, from her uh, hometown. <laughs> that sounds great. I cannot wait to go to this casino and hear Celine Dion read things to me. Hadn't thought about this before. Um, we, you asked the question, but now I'm getting more and more into this. We'll start brainstorming. <laughs> All right, good. We'll look for investors right away. <laughs> I think that's the next step. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. So these are questions that I ask people uh, across all episodes of the podcast. Do you think about Las Vegas every day? Yeah. Yeah. Is it because it is so a part of your soul or is it just a part of your, your life? I mean, your day job, like, like we talked about at Universal, connects. Yeah. Honestly, for me, it's because I'm, a, I'm, a, um, I'm busy a lot. So yeah. I'm, I'm usually working. But Vegas for me also, and I guess I, I, I could mention this, that I also see it as a place of escape. Like yeah. it is a, it is a cal- I mentioned it's a calming place. So um, they have, a, and I didn't realize this until much later, but um, in that first time that I went to Vegas, they had a spa, which was part of the experience. Oh, and cool. I didn't realize that casinos literally built up alongside spas. Oh. So like the towns of Bath. And spa in the old world, they had all these, you know, um, uh, like uh, people with, you know, St. Vitus's dance and yeah. milk leg and whooping cough. And they had nothing to do all day. So they just brought in, you know, games on Baccarat and games, games of chance. Of chance. And, nice. and then it developed into these casino cities. And that was part of an ancient tradition that basically came over. And I was very much... Um, into that idea of like just go to the spa, relax. You know, this is your place to to chill out. You 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 worked hard. This is the reward. So in my mind, Vegas is like the reward. This is the place where you can go to relax. You've done your work and you can chill out. Okay. Um. So I do think about it often as a place of like, oh, that's my happy place. Yeah. Like I wish I was in Vegas now. Totally. Do you get stressed and just stare off into space and just think, ah, oh, Vegas? <laughs> From time to time, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Could you send a child to college with the amount of money you've spent in Las Vegas? Mm, definitely community college. <laughs> and that's mostly just from fine food, right? Because you haven't gambled that much. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, I've, been a, I've been many times. Yeah, I could probably, yeah, probably a decent, um, you can get your AA, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Have you ever had a, this is jumping off from the Homestead Star, you, but I meant to ask, have you ever had a bad night of gambling where you lost a lot um 
No, never more than like a hundred bucks. Okay, wow. So and so I was always very programmatic about like, hey, here's here's how much I'm going to spend. Um, um, this money is already lost to me. Let's see if yes. I win anything back. I think that's the right way to approach it. Yeah. Sometimes I've come out winning, but I've always come out a few drinks um, richer. Okay. So it's <laughs> I'm always I'm always up. Right. In so, that configuration. Right. So the way to look at it, like if I went back uh, or when I go back to Las Vegas, because I'll go back, I should look at it as. I'm going to spend $100 to spend some quality time with the world of Walking Dead. Not that I'm going to lose $100 to Rick and the gang. Because I'm going to, but I should look at it as, this is just the price for quality time. That's right. All right. Yeah, it's the experience. very helpful. (laughs) All right, next how obsessed are you question. When people walk into your home, can they tell you're obsessed with Las Vegas? Mm. Hmm. There is a poster... (laughs) For Hoot Gibson, which features the Vegas <laughs> sign, uh, but that is the only way. Th- oh, and I do have uh, some decks of cards hanging around. Okay, so they might if they look, but it's not immediately obvious. Okay, so they have to hunt a little bit before right. they they see it. Okay. But it's there. That's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah. Would you break up with someone who didn't like Las Vegas? Oh, um, I would definitely be a. Um, I mean, it'd definitely be a conversation for sure. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know. Have you ever been in that position with a, a friend or a romantic relationship where Vegas is where you go to escape, but somebody doesn't want to escape with you? So you're like, bye. Yeah, no, they've all been on boards, which okay. has been great. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, um, yeah, I mean, gosh, I guess I would try to change their mind first. Yeah. Well, what if you just couldn't? What if they you brought them to Las Vegas, you gave them this excellent tour, you gave them all of your history and perspective, and they were still just had a lousy attitude about it and just like just a cheap place to rob people would you be like well we we can't be friends no you know i would be like well i still have to come here a few times a year you can go do your own thing okay i'll leave you a little outside the city you can have fun go have your own vacation i think it might be it might come down to that okay fair enough i think that's valid uh would you fight with a stranger who made fun of las vegas no (laughs) <laughs> would you fight with a stranger over anything probably not <laughs> i get the sense you're not you're a lover not a fighter <laughs> you don't know those people <laughs> i love asking this question because some almost everybody looks at me like i'm just mad for asking the question but it's either because of course i would fight with a stranger yes. or of course i wouldn't what's wrong with you of course it's a it's a good dividing line on who we are as humans you're not on the fence about these things <laughs> no people are either stranger fighters or they're not that's just the way it goes <laughs> Would you cosplay as the city of Las Vegas at a convention? Mm. Uh, that seems like it would be difficult. <laughs> I think I would probably, I think my limit would be individual characters okay. or buildings. Uh, individual buildings. Okay, how about this? Would you dress up as a slot machine, as a large walking human slot machine, and just go to San Diego Comic Con like that? It wouldn't be my first choice, <laughs> but I wouldn't automatically dismiss it out of hand. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the spirit of that question is a little bit like how much you want, A, how ridiculous are you willing to look, and B, how much do you want to engage other people about your obsession? So, like, let's take the ridiculous part of it out and say you went to uh, meet or greet somewhere, somewhere where there's just a lot of people, and you just wore a sign that said, talk to me about Las Vegas. Would you like that? Or is this your private thing? 
Oh, yeah, I think it's more my... Per- like, I'm happy to talk about it, but yeah. I'm not here to evangelize about it. Okay. Like, you know, for me, it's a very um, uh, personal thing of like, oh, this is my place to go. And as I mentioned, this is my happy place. Yeah. I have fun, and I've got my cool stuff that I like to do. Happy to tell you about it. But, you know, if you want to just go and, um, you know, go get hammered and, and feel not good, yeah, you can do that, too. That's a that's a well-worn path. But I'm like, hey, I, here's, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to go that way. <laughs> okay. Yes. Would you ever want to be a, or have you been, like, a Las Vegas guide where you're showing people a, a different path? Oh yeah, certainly. I mean, with with people that I I know or have been or have been yeah. with, like I'll be like, come on, we got to check out these places. Or if people are going like at 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 work, like people will know, like, oh, you're going to, um, you, I'm I'm going to Vegas. What do you recommend? And yeah, I'll be like, oh, we'll check out these places. So, okay, cool. Yeah. cool. If aliens were coming to Earth and you were appointed to greet them, would you do it in Las Vegas? Would you say aliens, your first contact with humans will be here outside the Bellagio with me? Yeah. Uh, I think it would be, it would be a bold choice. Like it'd be high risk, high reward. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Roll the dice. Let's see what happens. <laughs> That's a little bit of Las Vegas. Uh, but if you had a choice to like, just meet them out in a field, meet them, you know, in, in, you know, the middle of Los Angeles, would you take them to Vegas? Yeah. Well, it depends on the, the impression we want to give. And yeah. I think very specifically, you know, this isn't the best. This isn't the worst. This is the most. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that. If like, it's a little bit of just going off into the deep end, like this is earth at its most. Yeah. If you really want to know, if you really, <laughs> really want to know aliens, what yeah. we're like. Yeah. I suppose it, it, uh, it raises the question of, we talked a lot about Vegas as a mirror for America, but is it a good just mirror for humanity, for the world of like, aliens, this is us. There's that guy puking in the corner who should have stopped four cheap beers ago. But then look at this lovely museum that is very honest about the history of this city and place. And here's where Bugsy Siegel did blah, blah, blah. I feel like they would, the aliens would get a good, a good picture of Earth. I mean, they probably had a, have a great time. <laughs> You just take them right to the buffet. <laughs> take the aliens to the buffet. See if that kills them like the germs in <laughs> War of the Worlds. Um, when I ask other people this question, they interpret it as the goal is to communicate peace to the aliens. So we mean you no harm. Do you think Vegas can communicate peace? Hmm. If you're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) You consider it an escape, but it's partially because it's an escape from the rest of the world because there's so much going on. It surrounds you, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, and there's there's so much um, to to experience. I mean, that and that's the downside. You know, you could have somebody come out and swing it and be like, "What? What are you <laughs> aliens?" <laughs> yeah, uh, or just think it's another themed hotel. Like, oh, I don't like this hotel. That's right. One- yeah, they could be swarmed by people <laughs> wanting to take selfies. Yeah, and people wandering to their ship looking for the slot machines. That's just right. Start pulling levers. No. Alien ship starts firing. This is a disaster. All right, but you would consider it. I would. I would hope. Specifically, I would hope that our defense department has already considered it, <laughs> and it's on the plans. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, would you give up voice acting for a year in exchange for being able to go to Las Vegas? Like for a year, it's one or the other: voice acting or Vegas. Oh, and meaning, uh, uh, which would you choose if you had to? Give one or the other up for a year is the yeah, direct yeah. way to ask that question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I would probably, 
I would probably give up Vegas for a year, but I don't know if I could go much past that. Yeah. 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 I'd really have to make some hard choices. What would withdrawal be like? What would it do to you to not be able to go to Vegas? I'd have to find another place to go. <laughs> Palm Springs, it's not the same. Yeah. Um, I mean, but they exist, you know. Yeah. It's, um, but that place is, is special. And yeah. And the, the peculiar alchemy that it has is, is very dear to me, and it pushes all the right buttons. Okay. So I'd need to find yeah. something else that gets me part of the way there. Okay. What, what are you like when you have lost patience? Because uh, you, you do a lot. It seems like you'd be under a decent amount of stress in Vegas as an escape or release. What, how, you're not a stranger fighter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so how does it express itself in you when you are at that desperation point for I need an escape? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm very calm. You might not know outwardly. Yeah. Uh, I've noticed. <laughs> well, fair. So uh, very rare that, that you would. So, um, you know, I think it's just um, <laughs> more of a, it's not a social thing. It's just okay. more of an internal call of the wild. It's time. Okay. <laughs> but you don't get to a point where you are yelling, where you're n- n- punching a pillow because you're just so frustrated with life. Totally. It's I mean, all internal for you. Woe to the person who causes that um, <laughs> to happen. <laughs> the sudden explosion. That's right. It's not impossible. Yeah. Uh, but it, um, yeah, it, it, it could happen. But um, I think if we all just respect each other, <laughs> then we'll get along fine. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's weird to interview just a decent human being. I just, I don't don't know how to do it oh i wouldn't say that <laughs> but yes all right if you went to las vegas but the city was blocked by a circle of bears mm. would you try to get past the bears oh, absolutely <laughs> i've been driving for four hours through the desert i'm not gonna turn around <laughs> there's that anger i was looking for it comes out against the bears the bears uh so you would have no qualms about just trying to zip past the bears yeah who do they think they are <laughs> I like this. You have no fear of bears, no no need to bargain. You're just going to demand your way through. When I get something that I want, absolutely. <laughs> Most of the time I wouldn't you know, dare bother, but yeah. uh, this is important. Absolutely. Excellent. Good answer. This is the final How Obsessed Are You question. If every time you went to Las Vegas, a random person somewhere in the world lost $5, would you still go to Las Vegas? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> just no qualms. No. No follow-up questions, no concerns. They can lose $5. That's fine. I mean, yeah. Well, hold on a second. Because now I'm thinking about the developing world, and $5 is a lot of money. (laughs) (sighs) I have to rethink this. I don't know if I have a good answer. but I think the answer is I may feel guilty about doing it anyway. Yeah. (laughs) But I probably would. Would that... Now, you have found this good experience of Las Vegas. No. Would reintroducing a little bit of sin uh to to be dramatic about it mm-hmm. uh would that add to your experience cuz you not, right now it seems like you have a good solid moral experience of Las Vegas would it feel good to have that little bit of guilt of like uh somebody's losing $5 it could be somebody who doesn't matter that they lose $5 it could be a kid that they, oh just got my allowance for the first time and you take it magically by going to Las Vegas would the weight of that make the experience better. Oh, like even like just more delicious and evil. And, yeah. Uh, well, um, I mean, it helps that in this scenario, I don't know who it is. It right. could be anyone. So, so that makes it difficult to care beyond an abstract sense. Yeah. Which means I couldn't be too excited about it one way or the other. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Good answer. I asked everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What noise do you want to make for Las Vegas? Hmm. <laughs> that is so, so great because it is so different than uh, than what I would expect. Uh, I would expect like just uh, Las Vegas is one of the noisiest places on the planet, right? Yeah. I mean, just all of the competing rings and, and, and cries and people hooting and hollering and everything. To be able to approach it with a, hmm. That's right. That's beautiful. You be the calm at the center of the storm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I asked everyone to rate their obsession on a scale, uh, let's say, one to seven. Seven being the highest and one being the lowest. How obsessed with Las Vegas do you think you are? Mm. It's only increased over the years, so I'm probably at about a 5.5 right now. 5.5. Okay. Yeah. What would it take for you to get higher to the point where it was... Like, you have clear lines of, like, you know exactly what it means to you. You know what you are willing to do for it, what you aren't. Yeah. Uh, how you do want to engage with it, how you don't. What would it take for you to get up to a seven? And I'm not, like, pushing you, like, yeah, yeah. you should get up to a seven. But what would it, how would that be different? I think if um, if I got up to a seven, it would mean that I lived there. Okay. <laughs> and that um, all of my uh, professional work was geared toward it rather okay. than, rather than a portion of it. Right, that you were just always there as your life and as your career yeah. and as your hobby. And when you define it as an escape, mm-hmm. permanent escapism is called avoidance. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, at a certain point. Like, <laughs> I live in the city of denial, and it is great. That's right. I would have to, I would have to recalibrate. <laughs> the stake is great in good old denial. <laughs> uh, so I want to have some plugging time here. So let, uh, let people know where they can find you on social media and anything else you want to advertise. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm on the, the Twitter uh, infrequently, but uh, <laughs> I'm uh, at Eric1Martin, and uh, uh, my web, uh, website is uh, Eric martinvoiceover.com you can find links to all my projects there um i actually have a um uh, a new vegas related project Ooh. coming out um in the next um probably three weeks or so uh, depending on when this airs um so um i've worked with um david g schwartz who is the uh, head of the um uh, at UNLV, he he runs the the gaming uh, institute there, oh, the cool. center center for gaming studies, and um, um, he um, we previously collaborated on his book of Grandissimo, the guy who um, created uh, Caesar's Palace and Circus Circus, just oh, a cool. crazy larger than life character, um, and then this new project is. Um, uh, um, uh, it's called Roll the Bones Casino Edition. It is the history of gambling. So um, I narrated and produced the audiobook of his um, work. Nice. Um, we also did an interview um, that sort of catches us up to the the up to date. Um, it's a fascinating project. Um, really interesting. And he he's like um, me in the sense that the more you learn about um, gambling, the less you want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, so that that's coming soon. Um, you can also uh, check out Stinker Let's Loose. Um, that's on Audible. Um, it also has the live show that we did at SF Sketchfest. Um, that's included. Um, and um, yeah, and you can find me uh, find me on the Audibles. That's great. So for Stinker Let's Loose... There's the recorded version in in studio, mm-hmm. and then is the show that you did at uh, SF Sketchfest. Is that just a live version, or is it something completely different? That is um, an adaptation 
so uh, we basically took the script, but we adapted it for a live show. We took certain chapters, okay, um, and then we added it to the end of the uh, the audiobook um, as you know the added chapter fifty. What's unique to that version is um, we had some some folks. So Busy Phillips was in it, Ray Seaborn oh, nice. couldn't make it out, so Busy was fantastic. Um, Janet Varney, of course, was in, and. Um, um, uh, Kevin Pollack uh, played <laughs> his role as Christopher Walken, and it is just <laughs> the most delightful thing uh, you could imagine. It is such a great idea. I can't wait. To, uh, I haven't had time, but I can't wait to fully check it out. So many awesome people involved in that. Uh, here are some quick plugs for this very show and myself, and then we'll do the final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com, and you can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to our monthly patron-only bonus episode where my wife Sarah and I talk about something we are obsessed with in the moment, just last month, we talked about being obsessed with the Olympics and also being obsessed with not having enough time to watch them all. For full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, so here are some final questions. Don't have anything to do with your main obsession, but they can if you want. If you could fly, but you had to hold a specific object in your hand to do it, what would the object be? Hmm. Probably a phone at this point. <laughs> Is that just so you could kind of Google Maps and know where you're flying? Yeah, I mean, that's just one application. <laughs> there are many applications of a phone these days, aren't there? If phone was off the table, okay. if, you, if it couldn't be phone, because yeah. that is the logical answer, yeah. what what other item would you want to be seen streaking through the sky with? I guess a camera? <laughs> like a dedicated camera? A dedicated camera to yeah. just kind of take, take some pictures of the whole thing? Just to remember the experience. See it all from above? All right, that's, that's a good... That's my gut answer. <laughs> that's a good logical answer. If you had to have a catchphrase that people associated with you, what might it be? I uh, wait. So would I say the catchphrase, and then it would catch on, or or how does that? How does that? Yeah, work? you know, I think in my mind when I was thinking this question, it was the kind of thing that you can't escape from. That like maybe you said it a couple times in an audiobook or on stage <laughs> or whatever, and then you kind of can't get away from it for the rest of your life. Oh, okay. Like this catchphrase is synonymous with you. Narrated by Eric Martin. <laughs> I like that as a catchphrase that has some additional meaning outside of the obvious true meaning that it has. Like when something in life, like that uh, Star Trek episode where, you know, where they're speaking basically in, in uh, past events of, you know, whatever, when the walls fell, chakra, when the walls fell, uh, yes. that it would have some meaning when you say, ah, narrated by Eric Martin. That either means that was great or, boy, that was that's very reliable. <laughs> This car is narrated by Eric Martin. It does not fail. It's not too loud. It's not too quiet. It's reliable. Solid. And very long. And very long. Five hours in this car, minimum. Get that book out. Anyway, the final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? I think it's, uh, I think it's that place where you go in your mind where everything's okay. Okay. So, is you is it a real place? Better be. <laughs> All right, I like the mysteriousness of that answer. That uh, place in your mind where everything is okay. Thank you so much for doing the podcast, and thank you for uh, giving me a lot of excitement about going back to Las Vegas. 
Oh yeah, I got got tips. If you if you want tips, uh, find me on the Twitters. Oh, I, I'm gonna find you all over the Twitters for Tip City when I next go to Las Vegas. Thank you so much. That is our <laughs> podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Uh, so there's actually a place that uh, combines all of my obsessions just about. Um, and it's in Chinatown in Vegas. I know what you're thinking. Does Vegas have a Chinatown? The answer is yes. And this place was designed by the former creative director of the Hard Rock Hotel. This was his passion project. It's in a very, very long, like a half mile long strip mall. And you go uh, past a couple of places. There's there's literally two restaurants. One's called Kin Yu, and the next one is called Fuck Him Long. And that's amazing. But then you keep going, and then there's a, this is all very true, there is a place called the Golden Tiki. And you go through the doors, and suddenly you're in a cave, and A Pirate's Life for Me is playing. And then you go through those doors, and then you're in a tiki wonderland. So it combines Vegas, tiki, um, Disneyland, all of these things have, have come together, and then you get to um, drink. What what more do you want? Oh, and they have video poker. What more do you want? Out of life. <laughs> <laughs>